Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Take It or Leave It. I am so excited about our topic today, which is about making up our minds. You are required to make up your mind. I am required to make up my mind. And we're going to talk about the warnings about being double-minded. We're also going to talk about um, what God says and what some of his disciples have said throughout the Bible. So I want to jump right in. So why is it critical that we make up our minds? When you read the Bible, it's very clear that unless a man or woman denies themselves completely, they will not see the Father. You cannot be confident that you will enter heaven until you have made up your mind. So when I say deny themselves, it's when you get to a point where you are no longer seeking to please just the flesh, which is a very natural thing to do. We're actually born into seeking self-pleasure and ensuring that we have everything that we need. But as we come to know God, it's about setting those things apart, right? And living for God. So denying ourselves, but glorifying the Father. So Paul actually warns of being double-minded. So if we're unable to make up our minds, that's being double-minded. So for example, uh, you may know somebody that goes to church every Sunday. They're very religious. However, uh, you see them, maybe they're getting drunk. Uh, maybe they uh, you know, are using words that don't seem typical of somebody who serves Jesus. That's double-mindedness. So again, Paul warns of being double-minded, and I'm going to read from James chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 5, and it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberty and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So why don't we want to be double-minded? According to God, that means we are unstable in all of our ways. Paul actually uh, said here, For he who doubts, doubts who? Doubts God, is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Right? That's the opposite of a wave. A wave is so powerful right? Have you ever stood on the beach and you feel the wind, right? Your hair is, you know, getting in your mouth and, you know, you can taste the salt. Uh, It's being pushed around the atmosphere around you. That's from the waves, right? So if a wave is being tossed by the wind, that wave has no strength. So likewise, we have no strength when we doubt God. We also have no strength when we are double-minded. The Lord is not pleased with us. We are unstable in all of our ways. Elijah actually speaks uh, to what it is to be double-minded as well. So this is in 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to start in verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. So I'm going to pause really quick. So Elijah came to the people um, who were worshiping idols and Baal. And um, he basically said, like, hey, let's have a showdown. Let's have a showdown. So this is uh, Elijah really teeing it up uh, for that showdown. 
So Elijah says, pick a team, essentially, right? If if the Lord is God, I'm still in verse 21. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Verse 22, then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So it was Elijah versus 450 men. 450 men were praising this false god. And in verse 23, Elijah continues and said, therefore, let him give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So Elijah, having such faith in God, such faith, unmovable faith, right? This is a, a very uh, single-minded, if you will, gesture. Elijah is so sure that God is going to respond with fire. He says, all right, let's get two bulls. Let's let's set it up. And the real God is going to respond with fire. So when you read this in 1 Kings chapter 18, um, you can continue in verse 36. And it says, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So the evening sacrifice is the bull that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and that I have done all things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. So again, Elijah did not want to glorify himself. He wanted the people to turn back to God. So he's asking God, please hear me. Please hear me in this request, Lord. Please rain down your fire. And in verse 38, it says, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The people knew. The people knew. So I did skip around a little bit. Um, what happened before this was they obviously called on the false God and nothing happened. And the people were moved to even, you know, cut themselves and bleed because that's what they knew. And they were so upset. So um, when Elijah very simply calls upon God in this immovable faith, right? He had his mind made up. These people were very double-minded. That's what motivated Elijah to respond in this way. And this is how we can respond to people today, right? We're confident in Jesus Christ. We are confident in our God that when somebody comes before you and challenges you, hey, you show me your God, I'll show you mine. And you will be successful every time because Jesus is the one true God. Amen. So what does God say about being undecided? So in Revelation 3, uh, I'm going to start in verse 14, but essentially John had a vision and he documented what he heard and saw from God. And the reason why he did this is because God told him to. And it says, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15, very, very important. It says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That is a capital M in my, my mouth. God is going to vomit you out of his mouth. 
because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So just the pause on verse 15, God is saying, I know your works because you're judged by your works, right? And these people that he's speaking to in this church, the lukewarm church, are undecided. They're not cold and they're not hot. They're lukewarm and God will vomit you out of his mouth. You must either be cold or hot. Obviously, if you were cold, right, and you are not for God, you can't expect to not make it into heaven. You can expect hell. When you were hot and you're on fire for God, the Lord will keep you. And again, God continues and says, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing. People, even today, they're so misled because there are people that are extremely wealthy. They have need of nothing. If they want it, they can go get it. But what these people don't realize is how poor they are in spirit. They are wretched, right? I didn't say that. God said that miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They have need of so much. And the spirit continuing, it says, I counsel you to buy um, from me gold refined in fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So God rebukes and chastens in addition to loving. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So what do we need to do? Make up your mind. Do not be undecided. Be zealous and repent. Because if we are neither cold or hot, he will vomit us out of his mouth there will be no way for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. So is it true that God's promises are for me because God is full of grace, right? We're talking about being undecided. We're talking about what it is to be double-minded. And it is such a dangerous place for us to sit in this space only assuming God is full of grace and mercy and that we're excused because that's not true. We must be righteous like God is righteous, which means we must make up our mind to deny ourselves. You may have heard the need to die to self. This, of course, is not literal, but again, uh, another way to confirm that we need to deny our flesh. We must take steps to be closer to God. We cannot just assume he has grace and mercy and we can live how we want. And I want to read from Matthew chapter 16. And what I'm about to read is also confirmed, not just in Matthew, but also Mark and Luke. And it says in chapter 16, verse 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? So I'm going to pause right there. So with what we previously read, right, being poor in spirit, being so wealthy in need of nothing, but you are in need of so many things because in doing so and not leaning on God and not living for God, you forfeit your soul. You can have all these riches and and all this wealth on earth, but if you gain the whole world, and forfeit your soul, how will you profit? You won't. And continuing, I'm in verse 26. Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? 27, for the son of man 
is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father and then he will repay each person according to what he has done i'm going to pause right there according to what he has done those are works those are works so again we must make up our mind right and when we make up our mind we are going to have these fruits these works for the lord things that we're doing for him right and it's not about doing things that are easy for us right it's about doing the things that are hard for us for the lord what are we doing what are we laying aside so that we can glorify the father and specifically i mean i can speak from experience what are you canceling do you have family gatherings do you have birthday parties um, do you have a work trip, uh, but you have a commitment to the Lord? Or do you have a ministry, right, where where you've created uh, a deadline, right? You've put it all in order, similar to how you would plan a wedding. What are you doing? What are you doing? Because the Lord sees that. He sees that. 28, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So again, the Lord says here, and we've talked about this specific passage in previous podcasts, but it says, risk your life for my sake and you will find it. So replace life with anything important to you. So risk your family for Jesus' sake and you will find it. Risk your job for Jesus' sake and you will find it. It's so clear. It's so clear. There's action and it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy to do these things, but whenever you are decided, when you have made up your mind, you are going to be so motivated to do these things. And in Romans 6, it says, how can we die to sin and still live in it? So again, die to self, you're dying to your flesh, you're dying to sin. It's a choice, you're deciding. It's a battle between flesh and spirit. Capital S in spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Our flesh wants to do everything in this world right self-seeking self-pleasing and the holy spirit wants to fill us because unless he unless we are filled by the holy spirit we're truly an empty vessel in the eyes of god we want to be filled and in luke 14 it says whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple so clear he cannot be my disciple if we are undecided if we cannot deny ourselves if we cannot uh, bear his own cross right? We cannot be Jesus's disciple. Though we can say that we are a disciple, those are just words because Jesus sees our works. You can read more about this specifically uh, in John 3, 1 as well, but for the sake of moving on, I'm going to assign that as homework. And moving on, it says God is only good. He's going to take us all because he loves us, right? God does love us. He loves us. He wants our souls. He doesn't desire for anyone to perish, though he means that. He's also very clear that some will perish. Some will perish. And God is only good. He is only good. But this idea that God does not like destruction, does not like division, God actually says that he's coming to bring a sword. He's going to divide. And I want to read that in Matthew 10. I'm going to start in verse 34 and it says, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. He's coming to divide. He's he's dividing those who have made up their mind and those who have not made up their mind. Those who are double-minded and those who are decided. 
And God is not a respecter of person. He will divide man against father, father and daughter, daughter and mother. Can you imagine the people you love the most? The people you love the most might be on the other side of the line. Division. And God said that. I didn't say that. And remember, this is good because God is only good. This is the will of the Father. A person's enemies will be those of his own household. So we cannot serve two masters, right? We cannot be double-minded. And in Matthew chapter 6, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. What's mammon? That's material wealth. That's riches. Right? You cannot serve God in this world. You must consecrate yourself from this world and serve God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your soul. No one can serve two masters. That's including me. That's including me. I cannot seek to please my father and God. Right? I cannot. And what I mean by that is I cannot love my father more than God. If, if my dad were to say it and I just submit yet I know that God says something else, I'm accountable to that. I can't do that. We need to serve God because he will judge us by our works. He's going to repay us according to what he has done, according to our works, right? You may have heard that there are different levels of heaven. One person might have more works than the other. God sees that. God will see that. He's only taking those who know Jesus and whom Jesus knows. Right? We must go through Jesus to get to the Father, or else we cannot see heaven. And that's confirmed in John 14. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, I like to back up everything that I'm saying here with scripture because it's not me who said it. Right? This is part of take it or leave it. And in the very first episode of Take It or Leave It, I discussed the title in my approach of Take It or Leave It. You know, this is the word of God. It is forever. It lasts forever. But if you determine that this is not for you, you can leave it. But I want you to take it. I want you to take it. Right? I want everyone to know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one can come to the Father. No one can see the Father in heaven except through Jesus. We must decide. We must repent. We are living in these last days and it is so important. It's like a coffee filter, right? Uh, it says, uh, no one comes to the Father except through me, right? We cannot just be by Jesus, right? Similar, we cannot just go to church and expect uh, that we're going to heaven. We need to be through Jesus, right? We need to go through the Father, similar to how water, right? It goes through the coffee filter and then you have your product, right? Coffee. Nice, hot coffee. Jesus is the filter. Jesus is the filter. I'm sure you've picked up in previous podcasts. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and there's uh, many tunnels that lead into the city. And one of the tunnels is called the Fort Pitt Tunnel. And you have to go through it to get to your destination of Pittsburgh. You come through this Fort Pitt Tunnel, and all of a sudden when you get to the other end, it opens up. It's actually really cool and a lot of people will film it it opens up and you're on this bridge and you just you see the rivers and the stadiums and the tall buildings the skyline it's like a big reveal jesus is the tunnel we have to go through it we have to go through jesus because god will judge us and god gives the wisdom to judge also today the world will say who are you to judge me judging is wrong 
The subject today is about being double-minded. However, because God will judge us, we are also here to lift up one another, right? We want to encourage one another to get back to God, to really repent, make up your mind. So when the world tells us, who are you to judge me? Judging is wrong. So for example, who are you, Madison, to make a podcast called Take It or Leave It? Who are you? Who are you to be better than me? And I'm not. I'm not better than anybody. But promoting the word of God is not judgment. It is the word of God that will judge you. Right? So I discern the moments. I discern the moments to step on the gas and to step off the gas. Right? To put distance. Right? And I want to encourage you to use words wisely as well so the words do not fall on deaf ears. Right? God doesn't want us to spend our time investing in the same people that keep living the same way that they keep living because you have said it. The kingdom of God have co- has come upon them when you say those things. And even Jesus told the disciples to shake the dust off their feet when they're not received. There is a time where we need to walk away. But it doesn't mean that we cannot do this right? If somebody perceives you as judging, again, that's between them and God. In Romans 2, it says the righteous judgment of God, starting in verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. I want to pause right there because this is so clear. Nowhere does it say don't judge. But God is drawing uh, a comparison because many people judge though they do the same things right so it's so critical that uh, i'll use myself as as an example if i'm judging somebody on being drunk i better make sure that i also don't get drunk right if i tell them you're not wise because you get drunk i need to make sure that i'm not occasionally getting drunk right because i condemn myself we must be evaluating ourselves and our lives before we speak because again, what platform can we stand on if, if we do the same things, right? We, we both are standing on the platform of this world, right? And we want to stand on the word of God. And continuing, it says, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, oh man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, again, God's very clear, and doing the same that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? So again, it's very clear. It's very clear. If you are judging the law, if you are judging according to the word of God and you are sure that you are not doing those same things, you can be used by God in this way. Now, it's not just to sit and pause and say, okay, well, I'm sinning differently. I might, not be, I might not be doing the same thing. I'm just sinning differently. That's not okay. You want to be clean, right? You want to be clean. You want to be clean. So it's better for us to judge when we are committed to the Lord. The Lord speaks on this as well. It's, it's better for us to have that power to witness that Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that fell on the disciples in the upper room to fill us as well so that we have the authority to speak. And in Matthew 7, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Again, what are you judging? Are you clean? Because it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite hypocrite. I would be a hypocrite if I did that. 
God says that. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the plank from your brother's eye. Very clear here. God says first remove the plank. First cleanse yourself. Be cleansed. Repent. Don't do that anymore. Make up your mind. And then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Thank you, Lord. So judging is not a no-no, right? It's conditional. Because likewise, we will, be, we will be judged, right? We're going to be judged according to our works, according to the things that we do. All of the secrets will be exposed and God sees that. So we, it's better for us uh, to be clean. So today, it's impossible to be a Christian, a true follower of Jesus, but to promote things that are not of God. So for example, there's a lot of people that say, oh, you just have to be good. You know, we talk about that on this podcast a lot. That's not true. That's not true. There's people that are claiming to follow Jesus. There's people claiming I go to church every Sunday. That's good enough. God's grace is for me. We've talked about all this, but there are fruits of the flesh and there are fruits of the spirit. We've also talked about that. Uh, That's in Galatians 5. Read up on that. If those fruits of the flesh are there, you cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus. You cannot promote abortion and be a follower of Jesus. That is something that is so hot right now because of the Roe versus Wade, and that's not true. You could not promote abortion because Jesus says, I knew you in the womb. I knew you in the womb. It's just like a plant. It's just like a seed and soil, right? And water. Once you have those things, that's alive. We cannot serve two masters. If you attend church on Sundays, yet you prioritize attending sporting events, maybe birthday parties, grad parties, anything resulting in leaving church early, how can you say that you're keeping that day holy? You know, uh, uh, and it's even serving two masters, sex outside of the umbrella of marriage. You're serving the world, right? Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Repent. Cleanse yourself. Same thing with lying. Are you lying? Because that's not the language of Jesus. That's the language of the devil. Even when the devil tells the truth, he's lying. His truth is to lie. And again, unless we deny ourselves, we cannot see salvation. So when you hear this, I want to encourage you. What can you change today? What can I change today? Ask yourself, have you really repented? That one-time repentance? Or do you find yourself seeking to please only you? What are you doing for God? Are you still living in sin with the false idea that Jesus will understand? Because that's not true. Scripture says otherwise. Have faith that Jesus loves you. His arms are open for you today. However, there is action that you need to take. Do not allow your mind to interpret the Bible for you, to make you feel all right with the things that you do. Allow the Holy Spirit to do that. Repent and see how God can transform your life. It is not too late to make up your mind to serve Jesus, but there will be a day when it is too late. Set yourselves apart from those who are double-minded. I can speak to that from experience. I've had so many friends and I surrounded myself with them and soon they were what I went to for support. It's, I felt like I had everything I needed when I was with them and that's wrong because everything that I need is Jesus and now I serve them and I do distance myself from those who are double-minded. I'm not saying that I won't meet them for, for lunch or breakfast or briefly because I know them but I no longer seek to constantly be surrounded by them because I have Jesus. So surround yourself with the word and those who will only uplift you in the spirit. And remember John 3, 16, 
that God gave his only son, that whoever believes in him and the things that the Bible says, right, will not perish. They'll have eternal life in heaven. And that's available for you today. Thank you, Lord. This is take it or leave it. God bless you all.